Well, good evening, Mosaic family. Welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you here on this rainy, cozy Saturday evening. Would you stand and worship with us as we get to celebrate the faithfulness of our God tonight? Good evening, Mosaic. Sure is good to see you guys tonight. As we open up the service tonight, I really want to just start off uh, with a, a moment of gratitude. You know, three years ago, as Sarah and I joined uh, the faith family here at Fellowship Mosaic, we were incredibly grateful right out of the gate to be a part of a congregation that took seriously the investment in next generation leaders with gratitude to be a part of a church that sees investing in the next generation of Christ followers as a high calling. And so tonight, it's a great privilege to be able to celebrate in the baptism of our middle daughter, 
uh, Allison, as she stands before you and professes her faith in Jesus Christ. And no doubt in this room, uh, the, the leaders, the family members, the cell group leaders that have invested in her life, it's, it's a beautiful partnership between the local church and the family, all focused on pointing each other's lives to Jesus and to celebrate the change that he alone can make in our lives. One of the neat things to kind of come out of the pandemic in the Blanchard home was just extended conversations about Jesus around the dinner table with longer bedtimes at night. And it was during the pandemic that Allison Blanchard, with conviction in her voice, committed her life to Jesus Christ and professed him as her Lord and Savior. And so tonight she wants to follow in believer's baptism, letting Fellowship Mosaic and the whole world know that Jesus is her Lord and Savior. Take a seat, sweetheart. Allison, I want to ask you just a couple questions, sweetheart. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, sir. Have you trusted him fully as your Lord and Savior? you promise to follow him for the rest of your life? Well, it's my privilege, Allison, tonight to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk newness of life. y'all y'all can come on up as well these are my favorite body lives because there's so many other people to look at this is the best all right so in front of you here is a group of families so 
uh, clearly on the, the beginning phases of this parenting adventure. And I absolutely know that our body is full of just a smattering, a variety of different parenting relationships. I wrote a bunch down here. Uh, grandparents going a second time around now parenting grandkids. Uh, couples empty nesting after 30 years of kids in the home. Congrats graduates if you, you got one flying, the, the last one flying the nest uh, this time of year. Uh, people who have grieved the loss of a child or the difficulty of conception. Uh, we've got singles that have no kids and singles with kids from previous relationships. We've got people fostering or adopting. And tonight, we are a church gathered around these families, and we are celebrating with those who celebrate. And I'm glad to be with them. Uh, the parents have each offered a prayer over their children uh, that are going to play over the, the speaker system. And so would you, as those play, join the parents in praying over each of these children tonight? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Henrietta, our prayer for you is that you'll walk with God all the days of your life, that you'll know him from a very young age, and that you'll lean on him in times of trouble. That when you find yourself in times of need, you also ask for help from those around you, and that you trust God's calling for your life. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Annie Grace, every day is an adventure with you. We are so grateful that we get to be your parents and watch you grow into a strong little lady. You are already an incredible big sister and love others well. Our prayer is that you will grow to have your own relationship with God and that he will use you to teach others about his grace. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Catherine, we love you and everything you have added to our family. Your smiley, go-with-the-flow personality brings us so much joy. We love that God chose us to be your parents. We pray that you grow up to be a godly young woman who shares God's joy with everyone you meet. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 Bennett Lee, we love your gentle heart and curious spirit. We're thankful every day that we get to be your parents and help shape who Jesus is making you. Today with our church body, we choose to support and love you on your walk with Christ. May you draw close to him always. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 Parker Ann, we love your sweet and fiery character. We're over the moon that you're our girl. It is an honor to partner with Jesus as we love and serve you as our daughter. We stand today with our congregation to unite in walking with you on your journey with Jesus. May you always know how much the Father loves you. Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Edlin, you have been such a fun addition to our family. We all enjoy your warming smile and when you stick out your tongue when you are happy. 
Your name means Princess Warrior Light of God. We pray others continue to see Jesus through you and the smiles you bring to their faces. Damos gracias a Dios por otro día de ser tus papás y hermano. Nico, my dear son, I pray you always choose to build a life on the foundation of God's love for you. I pray that you always experience God's mercy and generosity through the spirit of wisdom granted to you. Son, I always pray that your faith in Jesus grows each day through prayer and the choices you make as you begin a journey of becoming a man of God. Nico, we pray that you will be devoted to God in a special way. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and his countenance be gracious unto you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Isaiah, you are truly a blessing from God. You delight us daily with your sweet personality, smiles, and giggles. We pray that God would continue to grow and nourish your sweet heart and mind, that you would grow into the man who loves God and praises him and loves and serves others. We are so thankful for you every day. You are such an amazing little boy, and we can't wait to see who you grow up to be. Now the child continued to grow and to become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. As a family, we prayed for you, my sweet boy. And when we found out about you, we knew we wanted your name to reflect that you are a gift from God. What a blessing you are. You bring so much joy to each of us, and you are so very loved. It has been so fun watching your sweet personality emerge, and also watching the incredible bond being formed between you and Big Brother. God knew exactly what our hearts and our family needed when he gifted you to us. Romans 12, 9-13 Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Emmy, your name has quickly become synonymous with joy in our home. From the beginning, you have been full of laughter, light, joy, and a deep love for others. Our prayer is that God continues the good work he has begun in you, bending your heart daily towards him and his people. We are humbled by and thankful for the gift of your life, and we pray for wisdom in shepherding you toward him. Jack, you are strong, you are smart, you are a leader. We love your willingness to help others and to give to others. God has gifted you with talents and abilities that we know will bless others throughout your life. We pray that you will continue to follow God and his will for your life as you grow into the man that he uses. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Jude, your big personality is so infectious and it brings a smile to everyone in our family. You remind us to laugh and you keep us on our toes. We pray that you will never lose your spirit of joy and that one day you will know an even deeper joy, the joy in living your life for Jesus as you become the man he calls you to be. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4, 23. 
Man, oh man, y'all have me rolling. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, would y'all pray with me over the parents? I'm, I'm stealing some of the lines for this prayer out of Douglas McKelvey's book, Every Moment Holy. He has a prayer called The Changing of Diapers. And so in this season of many diapers, uh, I, I offer this prayer. And so bow with me. Father, whether it's changing diapers, consoling tears, challenging defiance, or cultivating humility, we pray that these parents would remember this truth. Their unseen labors are not lost, for it is these repeated acts of small sacrifice that, like bright, ragged patches, are slowly being sewn into a quilt of loving kindness that swaddles these children. In each moment of serving and loving, remind them that they are tending a budding heart that rooted early in such grace-filled devotion might one day be more readily inclined to bow to your compassionate conviction, knowing itself then as both a receptacle and a reservoir of heavenly grace, as these parents themselves are to these kids. May your nearness carry them along in each of the 10,000 acts by which they are actively creating a culture of compassionate service and selfless love to shape the life of their family, these beloved children, and your church. Amen. And congregation, now I turn to you, those who will be church to these kids. You will be the kind faces in the hallways. You will be the people checking in or in classrooms. You might host their their, their peers in a host home, you, you will be church to these kids. And so I, I ask out of the same prayer that you join me in, in this commitment as well. Uh, open our eyes that we might see this act, the, the changing of a diaper, for what it is from the fixed vantage of eternity, O Lord. How the changing of a diaper might sit upstream of the changing of a heart and how the changing of a heart might sit upstream of the changing of the world. We pray in your name, amen. All right, one last picture, smile, blown kiss, whatever, and then I'm gonna let these guys uh, flee to the seven winds here. So y'all can uh, head down this way and we will we'll see you in a minute. Bye, guys. If anybody wants to yell bye, this is a good time to yell bye. You wanna yell bye? Bye. Yeah. So obviously we're a congregation with a lot of young families. We're seeing life change in families in, in, uh, in elementary. We got babies busting at the seams in the baby wings. Summer's a great time if you don't serve to consider filling gaps in weird rhythms. We just, we're still feeling the uh, loss of people stepping over to Fellowship Bentonville that we're faithfully serving. And, uh, and we obviously have a lot more kids. And so uh, if you wanna just step in and help us fill a gap, for the summer and you're not signing yourself up to serve for the next 40 years, it's just, you know, eight or 10 weeks of summer, pick a couple weeks or let us know that you'd be interested. We do need help filling some gaps. And related to that, uh, if you have uh, noticed that things have changed a lot around here and we uh, don't have a good idea in our database of the people in this room. And so if you are feel like you're in the dark sometimes, you're not getting the right information, uh, maybe we call you and we're like, hey, this, this is going on. You're like, oh, that person never was in my family. I'm very confused why you're calling me. Uh, 
going online, watch the video if you need the help, but just update your family profile. Let us know that you're here. Let us know that you want the newsletter or whatever else so that we can keep you informed about everything going on in, in the life of the church. So I'm excited for the rest of the evening. Let's, uh, let's stand and continue worshiping together.
our hearts to give our offering tonight. Would you read this prayer with me? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. God who runs after us. He's with us.
standing for the reading of the word of God tonight. Hi, my name's Callie. Um, I've been going to Mosaic for about six years, and I just love it here, and would love if you would join me in reading the scriptures for tonight. So we have um, John 5, verses 1 to 15. It says, Sometimes la- sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. While Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man, was, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may, may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Callie. So we're in John in a series on miracles. And first we did uh, seven I am statements and we've jumped back to the beginning of the book and we're covering seven miracles that occurred. So uh, I, had, I had the graphics team make this timeline for us. Uh, across the bottom were the I am statements. I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, et cetera, et cetera. We are in John chapter five there, the 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 handicap symbol of the man sitting in the wheelchair, is the story we'll be in tonight. So we are before any of the I am statements have occurred yet. I, I, wanted, I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, and we're in John 5. You just read it together. Uh, and we're going to pick up in verse 1 again and, and kind of work our way through it. Sometime later, this is after he had healed the official's son, uh, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now he's in town 
because there's a big reason to be. There's a festival. Perhaps it's Passover. Uh, it's, it's, un, it's not declared in the text, but we, we might guess that it would be that. Uh, now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, this archaeological site has been discovered, and those, those five covered areas actually do surround the pool, and it's a pretty gracious space for uh, the gathering, the throng of ill that we heard about in the passage already, uh, for them to sit in the shade uh, around the pool as they waited for the stirring of the waters. Um, it says here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, do you notice, just looking at the text on the slide, anything missing? We go one, two, three, five. We missed four. Why did we miss four? Well, let's, let's pull up four, okay? We're missing verse four because the verse isn't in the, the oldest textual record that we have. So it's a verse that didn't show up in the textual record until about 400 years uh, after the rest of this book was written. So that, that makes us maybe a little suspect. However, I do wanna look at it because it helps make sense of some of the really weird and strange things that are said later in the passage. So let's look at this together. It says the lame, the, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. The, the pool of Bethesda had an underground stream that from time to time something would kind of bubble up in the middle or there would be a sudden gush of water up into the middle. And the, the urban legend that had kind of come up around this, the, the superstitious but oft-repeated story, was that an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. And the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Now, it's not that we don't believe in angels or demons or of supernatural causes of illness or supernatural cures. It's just that this text wasn't what John wrote down. We think it's something that somebody added for clarification a little while along the road. I'm grateful that in your text, probably it's a footnote and not in, in the main text. Um, one commentary called the situation, uh, it, they said it would be a situation that would be most cruel to those gathered around, the most cruel contest for many ill people. But again, we're looking at it to make sense of the strange conversation that follows. We pick back up in verse five. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a lifetime. Who here is younger than 38 years old? You can, you can start a career and a family and bring home a grandbaby in 38 years. It's a lifetime. In, um, in January, I attempted to touch a basketball, which was a terrible decision. It's a terrible sport. It should have never been invented. But I attempted to play basketball in the driveway with my nephew and shredded the ACL in my right knee, okay? Just hit the ground. And uh, in February, had reconstructive surgery. Um, and one of the things they warned me about was when you're gonna be around a lot of people, especially kids, yeah, 
you need to carry a walker with you uh, as a physical barrier so that everyone knows, hey, please don't side tackle or hit or whatever else. And so um, I came in uh, to service a few weeks. Uh, at, you know, I only had to do it for a few weeks, but I, I came into service early in my recovery and I felt self-conscious, I felt embarrassed, and I sat down from someone who I think I should have been curious with earlier. It took me way too long to talk to her. Uh, her name's Chris, Chris Austin. I really like the Austin family. I've known the kids before. I've known the parents. Uh, but Taylor just graduated this last weekend. Uh, he was one of the first volunteers I had when I was leading fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Uh, his sister, Kate, has served up there faithfully for years as well. Uh, Kelly, you will find him at any opportunity that he can find to serve. He's just a, a, got a giant heart to love his church well. And, and then Chris, and I wanna share a little bit of Chris's story uh, humbly tonight. Um, 20 years ago, uh, Chris was pregnant with Kate. And during this pregnancy, uh, she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And during this early phase, uh, she managed the pain with a lot of uh, medication, but also steroids. And she was eventually able to wean off the medication, the, the pain management medication, but the steroids that kept inflammation down, uh, she, she couldn't step away from those. And uh, if, if you know anything about medicine, steroids have their own set of complications that come with them. So uh, it was in this time, though, that she moved to Northwest Arkansas, uh, is raising two little ones, bought a veterinary practice, so she's a veterinarian by trade, and began just the juggling of hidden chronic illness along with everything else. And she would say at this time that God sustained me through this time. Her pain was well managed, and the flare-ups uh, by this point were not the norm. But 10 years ago, it came back with a vengeance. So steroids continued to be needed, along with now a constant rotation of pain management medication, always trying to stay one step ahead. And uh, it was in this time that the doctors also discovered uh, she has total degeneration of all the cartilage uh, in her body. So she's had surgeries and treatments on knees and ankles and feet. And within the past six months, it's begun attacking her back. And the steroid doses to try to get it in control are high, higher than she's comfortable with, but it, it's the only thing that's doing anything. It's gotten to the point, though, where it's difficult even to move unassisted. The first time that she needed to bring a walker to church. She confessed she snuck in the side door and she left as soon as the service ended. She knew she needed to be here. The, the, the gathering of the saints and the worship of God was something that she deep in her soul knew that she needed and yet, it's just, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. She struggles with self-worth and self-image. It was a great challenge, she told me, in invisible illnesses because when people see her and see her walker, they, they just think, well, it's because of my size, she said. But they aren't aware what's going on in her body and it's led to people being nasty and judgmental. One client even requested to see another bet because as she rolled around on a stool, they found that unprofessional. She, she couldn't, couldn't stand and they didn't, uh, they didn't think highly of that. She told me it's a lonely place. She's lost people who've not understood. She's been broken and there are tears. He's faithful, 
But the question, why, has gone unanswered. I think she might have some vision of what the man laying by the pool feels. I was grateful for some firsthand testimony. We pick up in verse six. When Jesus saw the man lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition or understood that he'd been in this condition for as long as he had been, a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, first read feels like this is a fairly audacious question. Like, if this is the bedside manner of a doctor that visited me in hospital, I would say, no, thank you. Please, like, send me someone who has some tact or something. But I think it's a question that comes as a gift. Do you want to get well? As one commentary put it, the question was designed to focus the man's attention on Jesus. A man who's looked over time and again, I'm actually looking at you. Will you look back at me? And that same commentary continued. In the spiritual realm, man's great problem is that either he does not recognize that he is sick or he does not want to be cured. People are often happy, for a while at least, in their sins. So do you want to get well is the question that he has graciously asked every single one of us. The entirety of humanity, he lays the question in front of us and he says, you'll die in your sins and face judgment. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to go in, someone else goes down ahead of me. I think this man has a clearer gospel picture than I do. This is a man who says, in his, in his desperation, I think it's a question that should have inspired hope, but it doesn't seem to. He's been 38 years too slow. He says, I want it, but I can't do it by myself. And that, is that not the essence? He has to rely on someone else to carry him into the water. I can't do it are such holy words. I can't do it. I need someone else, God on high, to do it on my behalf. The activities, though, of so many of my days, if I look at my calendar or uh, phone usage at the end of the day or whatever else, it betrays the fact that I must be convinced that my spirit will be good with God if I can just drag myself into the waters. And self-reliance, I fear, is damning my spirit. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. And he walked away from the community of outcasts gathered at the pool, others still waiting for their turn. He walked away from 38 years of being overlooked. He walked away from his own atrophied muscles. 
as I consider the people standing around seeing this miracle, those who are well-versed in the Old Testament, I have to imagine that the words of Isaiah were flooding to mind because when the Messiah comes, the promise says in Isaiah 35, the lame will leap like deer. This man's laid there for 38 years and he's suddenly sprung to feet. And I can't imagine that he sulks away slowly. I have to imagine that there's some pep in this man's step. The Messiah is in their midst. Now the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. There's a begged question here before we get too far into it. The, The Jewish leaders are watching and we have a hope of how they might respond. This Old Testament verse coming to mind of the lame leaping like deers, we're waiting for the Messiah. Perhaps he is in our midst. And this is what it does. The day on which it took place was a Sabbath. This day that God had given his people. It's a gift of a day. It's a gift of a day. You work and you work and you work. And then I want you to rest. Rest from your work and be with me. And there's this point of tension building. And verse 10 continues. So the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Have they even seen this man? Have they seen him? Have they seen him by the pool? Have they seen him ceremonially unclean and pushed out of the covenant community? Have they seen him restored to health and standing in front of them? They seem to be like the the leadership in another story that Jesus tells, the story of the Good Samaritan. And the ones that should have looked are the ones that stepped furthest away and crossed on the other side of the road for fear that they would look too long and would see and would feel like they needed to do something about it. Now, God gave the, the, the Sabbath commandment in the Mosaic law to rest on the seventh day, honor the Sabbath, remember it, honor it as holy. And uh, it's the, the newer layers of law that have been added. We, we don't want to break this law, so let's put, a, let's put some few rules back here, right? The fence line's here, your property line, but we probably ought to like mm, back off a little bit before we do anything else over here. And they've so backed off and so backed off to the point where it's absurd. And this man, for fear of being stoned to death, is going to have some replies. Because the consequence of carrying a mat from a public place to a private place when the day is for rest and not for work is public stoning. Execution. (laughs) Just absurdity. And it makes me think, brothers and sisters, may we never be a people who miss God working in our midst because our hearts are bent around our rules and our priorities. The Sabbath is a central conflict for Jesus and Jewish leadership. In John 9, he heals a blind man on the Sabbath. In Mark 3, he heals a person's shriveled hand on the Sabbath. In Luke 13, he heals a woman crippled for 18 years 
on the Sabbath. In Luke 14, he heals a man with dropsy on the Sabbath. And in Mark 2, there's the peculiar story where his disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath and they're, again, upset. All of these are producing in the leadership a violent reaction and it's driving us toward his eventual execution at their hands. Picking up in verse 11, he replied, the man who who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk, as if to say, I'm just doing what I was told, please don't stone me, it's the best day of my life, don't make it the worst day of my life, please. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? These leaders who study the scriptures, who are waiting for God to be among them, they see embodied in front of them the Christ, the, the, the Jehovah Rapha, which is an Old Testament name from the days of the Exodus wilderness. It's the God who heals. And embodied in front of them in Christ is the God who heals. And you see, they, the man said two things. The man who weighed me well, and pick up your mat and walk. He told me to do something. And they completely disregard the man who made me well. They, they, don't, even list, they don't even acknowledge that some miracle has taken place. They just said, who told you to pick up your mat and walk? They miss it entirely. Now the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And I don't understand that really. It makes me think of um, like those gruesome car wreck stories where someone's like, I would have died if this person that just showed up didn't save my life and they disappeared. I have no idea who they were. So may- maybe that's what's going on here is this like guardian angel kind of, uh, I don't know where he came from, but it was, he was just the right person at the right time. Maybe, but it is curious that he slips away only to in the following verses, purposefully then go back to the man and seek him out and have another conversation. There's something purposeful here that Jesus is driving toward. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Again, another weird statement that at first pass feels like this like strange, either a threat Or like, are you saying that I'm sick because I sinned or somebody else sinned and that's why I'm sick? But I I think we have to read this statement in the context of the rest of the story because it comes right after he has condemned the Jewish leadership's legalism. So it can't mean do the right thing or I can't wait to catch you and punish you. Can't mean that. And it comes right after the gracious question of do you want to get well? It's a prompt for growth. I know your physical illness was bad, but sin's consequences are worse. I don't know how you would fill in the blanks in that sentence, but I know what? Your work, your relationships are what? Stressful or hard? Whatever it is that's dragging you away or dragging you down or burdensome to your heart, I know that this thing in your life is hard, but sin's consequences are infinitely worse. Don't seek seek reprieve from the pain of this thing in sin. It's just gonna make it worse. I think it was a gracious thing for him to say this here. 
Now, throughout the series up to this point, we've come back to John himself's summary statement of the whole book of John. Why is he writing these signs or these miracles? And and he says, the reason that I've done this, why signs? Well, it's because these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The sign is given so that we may believe, so that we may say, yes, I want to get well. It's tempting to think about this passage in the context of the next hundred years, of him healing our bodies and sustaining us through our days in our lives. And we'll revisit this hundred year thing, but I wanted to to take a totally uh, tongue-in-cheek diversion here. I think it's gonna frame up the rest of the night here for us. Uh, There's a song that I love about a man who uh, befriends in the park a woman in a wheelchair. They just meet for the first time and they encounter throughout the course of the adventure of the day time after time of circumstances just really working against this woman just for the sole fact that she's in a wheelchair. And uh, the song ends with the woman addressing the man and it ends this way. She says, anyway, I look at it this way. In 50 years, you'll be in worse shape than I am now. See, we're all the same, this human race. Some of us are called disabled. And the rest of you, well, the rest of you are just temporarily able-bodied. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Temporarily able-bodied. The next 100 years, we'll see everyone in this room put in the ground or scattered to the wind. Every single one of us. I know there's a couple babies in here that might break that, but the odds are in my favor here. And yet Ecclesiastes 3 has told us that he has set eternity in our hearts. Eternity. We long for the good of his kingdom come. And we long for his will done here as it is in heaven. We long for things to be made right. We long for everything to be as it is supposed to be. My wife, Kara's grandmother, as her health was declining and you know, issue after issue uh, before she finally passed away, um, she told us, old age is preparing me for eternity. The things I value on earth, like my body, my ability to take care of myself, are being taken away. And the things I value in heaven are becoming more significant and more sweet. That sounds like someone who has answered Jesus' question, do you want to get well, with a resoundingly clear yes. And I think Chris Austin is another one. I've been knocked flat by her quote all week long. She told me, it's easy to forget how much strength comes from falling to your knees. God's really come through there for her, faithfully, time and again, bringing a song or a verse to mind, a comfort. Not the healing that would obviously be, oh, something to to celebrate and enjoy, but she says he's shown up time and again 
by being my comforter, by being near to me. And she offered this verse, which I think is just a a beautiful place to end tonight out of 2 Corinthians. We're gonna pray it kind of as a closing prayer together. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, God, our bodies are so fragile. Inwardly, yet we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, because it's all perishing, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, temporarily able-bodied we are, but what is unseen. May it be so, Lord, we pray. Just as you sit with the Lord, I'd love to ask this question to you. Do you want to be well? What does the Lord have for you in that question? Do you want to be well?
stand and sing this together. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to where my
hands together. When peace like a Trust him because he's good.
hey, uh, before you rush out, next Saturday is going to be a fun time together. We're going to do one service, 5 o'clock. Everybody will be in here, so it'll be just as many kids and babies and everything else in the room as it was tonight. And uh, please don't let that scare you off. When we say family picnic, we don't mean those with families. We mean in the way that uh, I show up to the Natesel family reunion and I kind of just embrace the awkwardness of not knowing every person in the room, but knowing that I'm somehow related to all of you. And so we're just going to show up and spend some time together. Uh, We'll have uh, dinner in the lodge and in the field behind it. Uh, We bought a big Akambaro taco bar. And so show up hungry, throw a few bucks in to help cover uh, the counselor cost because all the CWE 365 counselors are going to be with us again next weekend. So just they are so hype and so ridiculous and I'm excited they're going to be here. Uh, and bring a blanket or a, lawn, a blanket for a picnic or a lawn chair or something like that to hang out. We'll do popsicles, games, all kinds of stuff. Uh, If you would like to pray with somebody on the prayer team, uh, they'll be up front here at at the end of the service here. Uh, If you're brand new, we want to know that you're here. We want to get to know you. Uh, You can hit the info booth in the middle. You can turn to somebody next to you and just say, I'm new. What do I need to do? You can come up and say hi to some of us that are up here. And then uh, finally, uh, we get to end with this benediction. So let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. We love you, Mosaic. We'll see you next week.